What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the E4 Explicit Podcast. And today, I talk to Professor Elizabeth Loftus, who knows a lot about your memory. More importantly, she knows about why certain memories come together, um, whether you're testifying in court, whether you're getting interrogated by police, why these things happen in your memory. She's a brilliant person. She also has worked on some high-profile cases like uh, she was consulted for the Mendez brothers murder. She was consulted. She just did uh, Robert Durst, uh, the guy who's, who um, is on trial for killing his best friend and ex-wife, Michael Jackson, Martha Stewart. She was also consulted for the Oklahoma City bombing and actually got to interview uh, Timothy McVeigh, which we talk about in episode crazy, crazy story, very eerie. Um, you don't want to miss it. You want to you check, check it out just for that alone. She was also just recently showcased on a uh, TV show on Showtime called Buried about a 20-year-old murder from 1969 that was brought up in 1989. It was actually the first case to ever go on trial and produce a conviction about repressed memory, which 20-year-old murder, a woman said, hey, I actually remember my dad killing my best friend when we were eight here's what happened and it is fascinating it is crazy check it out on showtime she's in three of the four episodes fascinating stuff like this video subscribe to the channel and don't forget to hit that bell notification so you get notified every single time my face comes on your screen which is every week so i would really appreciate that follow it's our, our channel is getting a little bit bigger it's growing by the by the day check me out on tiktok as well blowing up over there all those links will be in the description below, but this this episode is, is pretty crazy. Uh, Elizabeth is 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 a very interesting person, and she's she just has a plethora of information of things that you don't even think about when it comes to memory. Uh, I have memory issues myself, or at least I thought I did till I talked to her, um, but she's a brilliant woman, and it's a great episode. So enjoy this episode of the E4 Explicit Podcast with Professor Elizabeth Loftus. See you next time. What's up, guys? Today's episode of the E4 Explosive Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. They're the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer. This guy. The Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right. The Lawnmower 4.0. It's got a flashlight. So join over 2 million men worldwide, just like me, that trust Manscaped and get an exclusive offer just for you. You're going to get 20% off plus worldwide free shipping. Use the code EXPLICIT20 at manscaped.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the E4 Explicit Podcast. I'm Corey, and today we have Elizabeth Loftus, who is a distinguished professor at the University of California, Irvine. So thank you so much for coming on, Elizabeth. Um, her background is in psychology, criminology, and stuff like that. But can you give us, an, or not us, me and the listeners and watchers, kind of a little synopsis of your background and kind of why I'm talking to you today? Well, I can tell you about my background, um, and then you could say why you're talking to me. <laughs> um, I am uh, a psychology professor at UC Irvine. I study human memory. And the kind of memory that I study is false memory. I study when people remember things that didn't happen or remember things differently from the way they actually occurred. 
Uh, I do experiments in which we uh, investigate why and how people come to develop false memories. And because of this research, I'm um, occasionally asked to get involved in legal cases where somebody's memory is an issue and somebody's memory is disputed. Right. Yeah, that's that's kind of the 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 little research I did on on you because, like I said earlier, I kind of like to not know everything about the people I'm interviewing just so I can learn some stuff. But that's one thing I thought was kind of interesting was like like the, your main focus is stuff that that probably didn't happen in their memory, which is so important in criminal cases because people will, you know, uh, I even wrote a note here. Like I can imagine when someone is seeing something or think they're seeing something so traumatic, their brain might be doing some crazy stuff and making it, Oh, well you saw them do this, but really they didn't. Is that kind of what you're saying? Uh, well, that's part of it. Sure. Um, in some of the cases, there is a question of there really was a crime but the question is who committed the crime mm. and a witness to the crime might be asked to make an identification, go to a lineup, look at a set of photographs. And sometimes these witnesses make mistakes. Right. Uh, so we, we know from some of the uh, databases of known wrongful convictions, innocent people who've been convicted of uh, crimes they didn't do that a common reason is faulty human memory. Wow. So that, I, I like to talk about those findings to you know, when I motivate my students to want to learn a little bit more about memory and the right. workings of memory. Right. I'm, I'm fascinated <laughs> by memory for multiple reasons. I'm actually, side note, I'm, I, I've, been, I've been noticing a lot of cognitive issues with myself. I'm 33. And there's sometimes where I'm like, I have to describe a word. And then my fiance would be like, yeah, orange or, you know what I mean? Like, or something like that. And, and I'm actually, I went to a neurologist recently. I'm trying to get some tests done just because I'm thinking like, I don't know if it's stress induced or a lot of workload or whatever, but memory is like crazy. Cause I used to be so sharp, right? Uh, my grandfather, uh, he passed of Alzheimer's and dementia and stuff like that. So I've always been kind of interested in it. And I'm so glad that like, that's kind of like your main kind of focus and you want to teach your students on, how, on like how to kind of like look into that stuff are your students like future like prosecutors investigators stuff like that uh, well i do teach a course on eyewitness testimony and many of the students who take that course do want to go on to law school or do want to go work for police departments or mm -hmm. um become prosecutors or defense attorneys so I, yeah, I see students with that kind of interest, but uh, you know, you mentioned your grandfather with Alzheimer's dementia and so on. Um, that you know, that's the that of course is a, just a terrible situation, and um, for anybody who's had to experience that with a loved one. And oftentimes, if I tell somebody that I study memory, that's the first mm. thing they want to talk about. Um, but as, as you know, there's a situation where people have a loss of memory in Alzheimer's, a severe loss, right. maybe your grandfather couldn't even recognize you anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was the only one he actually could recognize. He thought my sister was my mom at her age. It's like he backtracked, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Tough disease. But, but, you know, that, that 
and there are plenty of really good people who are studying Alzheimer's and trying to figure out, you know, treatments for uh, trying to deal with that, uh, that awful situation. But, right. but again, I study, you know, when, when people are remembering things that happen rather than they can't remember anything that right. did happen. Makes sense. Yeah. So why is that? Why, why is that something that, that we do as humans, whether it's, is it over exaggeration of something that wasn't there? Like why, why, what is that? What's well, happening? Well, one of the common reasons why people remember something that didn't happen is they're exposed to some suggestive information. They are uh, interrogated by some, by an investigator who has an agenda, has a hypothesis about what happens maybe communicates that idea even inadvertently right. and causes the uh, person they're interviewing to develop ideas and, and they can crystallize and start to feel like memories. Wow. So kind of like confirmation bias? Well, confirmation bias is when you seek out information that supports your pre-existing biases or beliefs and you ignore or reject or overlook information that contradicts it. It's a little bit different of phenomenon. Okay. So what you're talking about is something that is maybe implemented into your brain by someone else or other influences. Uh, exactly. Okay. Wow. That's crazy. Well, that makes sense. Cause I see a lot of wrongly convicted people that, I mean, some of these interrogation videos, eight, 10, 12, 14 hours long, by the time they're done, the person went from like not admitting to anything to basically telling the police officers what the police officers are telling them, which kind of gives them a conviction, right? Or a, 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 a confession, not conviction. <laughs> right. Well, that, and, <clears throat> you know, confession, false confessions, there are many, there are many routes to uh, somebody confessing to something they didn't do. Uh, one of them, one of those routes is that people get questioned in a highly suggestive or biased way. And they actually start to believe that maybe they did something that they didn't do. Wow. Uh, but, but, you know, other, other times people are confessing wrongly for, for other reasons. Hmm. Like I what? Mean, when 200 people confess to uh, kidnapping the Lindbergh baby, I mean, there's, there's something else going on that, that, that they were exposed to suggestive questioning. Wow. Because they were all being fed the same stuff. Well, they, you know, sometimes there are mental health issues. Sometimes people just want to be connected to a high publicity case, right? To feel important. Um, what What led you down? Why, why did you get into this kind of stuff? Did you kind of fall into it, or did you always, you know, kind of look into memory and and that kind of like criminology and psychology and stuff like that? I think it's a little closer to falling into it. I, <laughs> I, um, you know, I was in graduate school um, quite a while ago now. Um, I was at Stanford. I was working on a project that I wasn't that excited about, um, but I took a class with a professor who was interested in memory, and uh, he invited me to work on a research project with him that he was interested in, and so I started to do some memory work with that professor and that began my my path on uh the the road to studying memory then false memories and i have 
I've always been interested in legal issues, legal cases. So I think I kind of merged my, my new expertise in the area of memory with an interest in legal cases and started studying eyewitness memory. Right. So let's talk about, if, if we can, some of those, just so everyone listen, uh, listening or watching, some of the cases that, that you have worked on, the Mendez brothers murder case, right? Well, it, uh, uh, I consulted on that case. Consulted, yeah. Right. I, don't, I, yeah. I don't mean like work on. like. Yeah, know, where but... sometimes I actually testify. Sometimes I oh, wow. consult and don't testify. Uh, and I might not testify for a whole variety of reasons. Right. Um, my opinion doesn't fit with what the the, you know, the lawyer is looking for and, and, and wishes for. Um, or we, we do some kind of study and it doesn't uh, work out quite the way the uh, legal team had hoped or. Right, right. So like, let's say, for instance, Mendez, I mean, o um, Oklahoma City bombing, right? Uh, Timothy McVeigh. Correct? Well, now it, it, I consulted in the McVeigh case. Right. Um, the issue had to do with the, the memory of the employee at the Ryder truck location wow. where Timothy McVeigh had rented the Ryder truck. Yep. And, and this particular employee had remembered that Timothy McVeigh had come with another individual, somebody who uh, I think had a particular tattoo and was maybe wearing a particular hat. And this person became John Doe number two, mm. the person who was supposedly there renting the truck with Timothy McVeigh. It turns out there was no John Doe number two. He was a person who had accompanied a different individual who was renting on a different day. So wow. there, there was a memory mess in that situation ha having to do with the memories of that employee. Wow. And that had to be sorted out. Right. And because that could have led investigators down a whole different rabbit hole. Right. 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 Because everybody was looking for John Doe number two uh, and, um, <laughs> and couldn't find him because uh, there was no John Doe number two. So, so he was just mistakenly thinking that they were together. Right. How do you find that out? I, I can't even remember the way. I, I, I think eventually um, they actually found that the John Doe number two it had come on a different day with a different person, put it all together because he had the tattoo that this mm -hmm. guy remembered. And Right. So do you think that like humans, like, could that have been a case of like, okay, this might be a high profile case or it's just kind of like a, a mishap in judgment or just like he misplaced it or kind of like, I'm just trying to figure out like how or why how human... it happens. Well, yeah. I think what probably happened is this guy is questioned and he's trying to reconstruct what happened. And he, when you re recall memory, what you're really doing is sort of taking bits and pieces of experience sometimes happen different times, different places, bringing it together to construct what feels like a memory. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what this guy did. He constructed uh... a memory with bits and pieces from different days and came up with something that was um, was somewhat mistaken and, and created a problem or an issue that worried the prosecution and the defense in that case.
I feel like I, I did have a chance to meet Timothy McVeigh. Actually, wow. I, nice. I I went. To, he was after the case was transferred to Colorado, uh, and he was uh, awaiting trial in a prison in Colorado. Um, I went to meet him, and um, it it was it was quite an interesting experience. I went to the prison and met him in a room where he was with his lawyer. So it was the lawyer and, and Tim McVeigh and, and me. And he said, I'll never forget this experience. It was so, it was so strange. He said, he said, tell me about yourself, Beth. Um, Beth is my nickname and Beth is the name that I had as a child. And Beth is the name that my f- close friends call me, but I'm meeting this um, a man for the first time, and he says, "Tell me about yourself, Beth." And I thought, "Oh, this is this is a little weird." I'm That's weird. Feeling a little like Jodie Foster. And yeah, then, yeah, uh, Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, yeah. Clarice. Yeah. So, wow. so I started to try to tell him, you know, why his lawyers were talking to me, and that there were some memory issues in his case that I would be looking into. And I said, you know, uh, let me send you one of my books. Um, and you can just read about what it is I do in these cases. He said, well, I don't really read books. Yeah, um, I'm more, you know, kind of in the magazines or something. I said, you know, this is a really easy book to read. And when John Gotti, when USA Today published the 10 books that John Gotti had in his cell, in his jail cell or, or prison cell, um, yeah, my book was one of them. So, um, what? And I made some comment like that. That actually really helped my sales. <laughs> and McVeigh said to me, all right, send me the book. Send me the book. I'll let people know I'm reading it. Maybe that'll help your sales. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this this person accused of wow. this horrible, horrible crime and all the children who died <laughs> in that bombing. Right. And, and he wants to tell people he's reading my book and Maybe it'll help my sales. It was just so incongruent. Not what you probably expected going in and talking to him, I assume. No, not at all. Not at all. But it just shows you, um, it just shows you that uh, what Brian Stevenson always says is people are more than the worst thing they've ever done. Right. That's true. You know what's funny? Something's... um... Uh, Kathleen Puckett, Dr. Kathleen Puckett, she's uh, the FBI agent that worked um, closely to get Ted Kaczynski. She told me something very similar of how he was that same way where he like you was, you're going into these situations thinking you're going to talk to this person who's like hasn't been caught in 20 years of bombings and all this stuff. And you go in and you have a completely different experience. So it's funny that you say that because she said something very similar, not saying that Kaczynski and McVeigh, but McVeigh was very intelligent. Yes. I thought he was very intelligent yes. for, for, for everything that he did. I mean, the writer thing was and kind so of so was Kaczynski. Super, super yeah. brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I think that's such a cool little insider story that that you know, so his lawyers, McVeigh's lawyers wanted you to talk to him because um they wanted me to see and who he was that wow i mean so they they actually flew me to, to colorado from 
I guess I was in, in Washington state at the time wow. where I was teaching um, before I moved to California. Mm-hmm. And uh, they actually had a special trip just to go to prison and have a chance to meet him. And so I, I did it. That's pretty fascinating. Was it one time? Did you, what did you kind of Oh learn? no, I went to Colorado several times, but the others were for consulting on the case and uh, you know, discussing the issues and right. Right. Wow. That's, that's pretty crazy. Um, what was I going to ask you the, uh, so would you say that you kind of also understand like the criminal brain too a little bit, or just kind of like in the memory lane of things? No. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I don't right. know. Yeah. Um, that's what criminologists, you know, some of them do. Right. Um, they study everything you want to know about crime, like, right who commits it and why and, and what why. are they thinking and help, you know? Right. So um, as far as, far as testimony goes, right. When someone is testifying, um, you ever seen, what is it? The, uh, you ever seen my cousin Vinny? Oh, you know, I've, I've certainly watched parts of it. I don't know if I, I don't know if I've sat through and watched yeah. the whole film, but. I was going to give you an example. There's like a scene in there where Joe Pesci is like, basically like going off the memory of this old lady who had thick glasses is like did you really see what you saw and then he like unravels this thing and gets his little cousin off of it but that's what when i initially started thinking about talking to you i'm thinking of like that kind of stuff someone on a stand and then not you obviously talking to them but you're kind of like con- you know consulting and stuff like that and your ideas going with the prosecution or the defendant to kind of go and kind of unravel what did happen or what didn't happen is kind of what I envisioned kind of like your main thing, correct? Uh, yeah, because usually what happens in a case that I'm involved in is somebody's got a, a, a strong memory of something that hap- that supposedly happened and it's disputed. The other side says, no, it didn't happen that way. Right. So how can this person be so confident and detailed and emotional in their telling their story if it didn't happen. Right. And I can sometimes uh, help the lawyers understand uh, what's going on in that kind of situation. Right. And, and a lot of that, I know we kind of touched on a little bit, but more of like the why of, you know, like you said, cause I've, I've definitely, I think we all kind of do this. I'll have some memories as a child or whatever. And I think it happened. And like, I'll like tell my mom, I'll be like, Hey, so I remember this and then she was like, what are you talking about? Like that either never happened or it didn't happen like that. Or, you know, is that kind of like, why does that happen? If that makes sense. If, if you can answer Well, it that does reason. make sense. But, you know, even going back to something you said about yourself earlier that I, uh, we, we, we didn't actually get a, a moment to discuss. You're 33 years old and you're starting to worry at this young age, this pretty young age, that something maybe is awry with your memory and enough to maybe even think about wanting to, to get a test. And so um, you, you seem pretty sharp and you're pretty young to be worried about memory problems. What's going on with you? Yeah, I, honestly, I, I uh, this is great. This is like a little free session. Um, <laughs> I, I don't really know. I think um, I've always been kind of like been able to say some, some, you know, I have a good vocabulary, so some, some pretty long words, smart words. Um, and for whatever reason, the last like year and a half, I've been like, kind of 
having to, I can't spit it out. I can't, it's like on the tip of my tongue and I can't just verbalize the words that I want to say. So I'll literally describe it. And then my fiance or whoever I'm with will just like blurt out like when I'm talking about like that. And I'm like, man, like it makes me feel so dumb. And like, uh, what's weird though, is I stopped doing my podcast probably like the end of 2020, just cause I got so busy. And then COVID was making it really difficult to get guests on. And I started, that's when I really noticed my decline because I wasn't talking to a lot of people and most people, not most, everybody I talk to is like, Imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed, optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time. I'm one of the first people to use the Lawn Mower 4.0 for Manscaped, and let me tell you, the craftsmanship on this goddamn thing is insane. It will chip away at all that down there. Trust me. I'm talking from personal experience. I use the, the Lawn Mower, get a little, uh, little, little trimmy, trim, trim, and then I follow up with the ball deodorant. Let me tell you, if you like to go on hikes, if you like to just go outside and it's sweaty or it's hot out, Swamp Ass is non-existent. I could not go anywhere without the ball deodorant. I travel everywhere with it. It is a lifesaver, trust me. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and a grooming experience you'll never forget. The fourth generation trimmer also features a ceramic blade to reduce the risk of accidents. And thanks to their advanced skin safe technology, I feel way more comfortable shaving my boys. The upgraded trimmer also includes an on and off switch that can engage a travel lock. It also gives you the ability to turn on and off the 4000K LED light so you can get a more precise shave. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to cut through that hedge with more guard lengths with sizes one through four. Oh yeah, hey, did I mention um, wireless charging? That's fucking crazy. The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which allows the battery to last way longer than it used to. Man, listen up. If you've been using the same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it all wrong. I don't know about you, but I don't want to end up with pubes in my mouth. It's time to get your own ball hair and body trimmer with Manscaped and make me time the best time. And trust me, you'll enhance your confidence if you got some nice smooth boys down there. Get 20% off plus for shipping when you use the code EXPLICIT20 at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Like you. Very intelligent professors, researchers, FBI agents, like, like insanely high, high level people. Which I thought when I was, it really helped me because I was kind of bouncing back and forth with these people. And then as of late, I picked my podcast back up in the last two, two and a half months. And I, I can tell a noticeable difference in a, in a good way where I, told, I went to my neurologist and told her, I was like, listen, I kind of feel a little better, like a little bit more with it. Uh, I don't know if this is why, um, but yeah, that's kind of what's, what's going on with me. Um, I just couldn't put a finger on it. Cause I'm like, listen, I'm 33. Like, do I have like a tumor that's blocking something? I don't, I got like a CAT scan and stuff like that. But that's okay. like, that's me thinking like crazy. But, um, you know, a lot of people have trouble kind of, of uh, finding that word you're looking for. That's what she said. Yeah. Yep. And that's such a common experience. And usually if you just kind of leave it then you know, it'll come back to you. Yes. Um, yeah, that happens all the time. And it's just like, I think it's because I've never 
had to do that. I've always like, and I have, I have ADHD when I was a kid, Ritalin, Adderall, all that stuff. And she actually told me, she said, she's seeing a lot of not so much memory loss or, or cognitive stuff. She thinks more for adult patients that were on Ritalin and Adderall. Hold on, did uh, I, I froze. I froze. I'm back. You I'm froze. Back. Yeah, I'm you back. froze right there. Yeah. Just for a second. Though. Yeah, my computer, I think, booted up. But she basically was saying she's seeing a lot of her adult um, uh, patients that had ADHD and were on Ritalin and Adderall back in the 90s. Uh, it's more of an attention thing than it is. Like your brain can only do so much. And so it's like needing some sort of attention and like all this stuff, which makes sense. Excuse me. Sorry, but I just ate. They, they, she basically was saying like, uh, that's kind of what she's seeing in a lot of her adult uh, patients, if that makes sense. I don't know if it's me or not, but that's kind of the synopsis she gave me. So I, hope okay. that's it. And I wonder if it has anything to do with the pandemic, because there's, a, you know, the, a lot of people who are, a good point you know are pretty stressed out but with all the uncertainty about it and all the lack of motivation and all the online zoom remote everything um and all the days blending into every other day so you sometimes can't tell a weekend from that's a weekday so, anymore that's spot on <laughs> that's spot on yeah so i i mean Wow. That, that, that I think could create a little brain fog. Right. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. That's a great point that obviously I know a lot of people are probably kind of going through that and, and not even realizing it. I feel like too, cause it kind of, I, I, like I said, I, I really noticed it right when the pandemic kind of started, but I kind of was working from home a little bit. So I figured oh, it's nothing's going to change, but you're right. There's a lot of stressors that come with that kind of stuff that you don't even realize, you know? crazy yeah. um what's i gonna say what about are you able to what did you do for the um for the jackson or martha stewart what'd you do for the, what stuff like that michael i saw i read michael, uh, michael jackson. jackson um <clears throat> well i was a consultant in uh, when uh, an accusation against him in the 90s wow um and uh that that case was ultimately settled so it never went to trial the more recent accusation uh i was a consultant in that case i actually did not testify this is one where he was uh acquitted of the accusation um i've been uh a consultant now for people who are suing the estate uh, for the the, the Jack defending the estate mm -hmm. because there are people now uh, who are suing that the, the estate of Michael Jackson. And it, it, it's all a, a matter of the memories of people who are accusing him of things uh, that he, he would, if he were around, right. uh, almost certainly be denying wow. as he, as he was in that, uh, you know, the case from about 10 years ago mm -hmm. when he was prosecuted in, in Santa Barbara. Yep. Yeah. That, I don't know if you watched it, but that, that, uh, what was it? I did. Yeah. That, that, that is interesting to me is the, the, like, you know, especially with the me too movement, all these things that were happening that like apparently <laughs> happened 20 plus years ago. How, how can that like, I mean, I know, I don't know. I, there's no statute of limitations on murder, obviously, but like there are statute of limitations on certain things, but 
as far as the memory goes, is that something that is like, can that withstand like in court and stuff like that? When says like, oh, well, someone touched me 30 years ago and now I'm going to talk about it. Like, well, does your mind no change? There's no statute of limitations on murder, but um, now for other kinds of, uh, of crimes, um, some of the statute of limitations have been basically eliminated. Wow. And so you do, you do see uh, people be either sued civilly for sure, or even prosecuted mm -hmm. for things that happened a long, long time ago. Right, right. Do you, I, I think um, the way that it's, it's so crazy to think about this, how memory can kind of play on cancel culture, right? Because a lot of people are getting canceled. There's a, there's a couple of celebrities that got canceled and then come to find out afterwards was not the case um, at all. But because of someone's memory or something like that, where they had like a, you know, a, a gripe against them or something like that, is that something that you can, that you kind of see as kind of like a, could be a problem too, if people don't really understand like memory and stuff like that? Well, there, you know, of course, you know, me too has, has got its good points and finally, you know, giving more attention to the accusations of, of assault and abuse, um, by women that were ignored in the past or not right. paid as much attention to. But unfortunately, in this big net, uh, it catches a lot of innocent fish mm -hmm. along with the guilty ones. Right, right. And, and what bothers me is when people are punished and even punished pretty severely when the case has not even been investigated yet. Right. I mean, look at the, the Dodgers pitcher, you know, who he, there's an accusation that's in the press, but there's not even been a trial. There's not a, a, a you know, a finding right. and, uh, and he's uh, not allowed to play. It, right. And you'll see other examples like that, that arise out of this cancel culture yeah. when there hasn't even uh been an investigation yeah yeah i've noticed that Just a lot an too. accusation yeah that's that's really all you kind of need nowadays the way social media goes and um it's funny the well not funny it's terrible but um this whole gabby petito thing right um it reminded me a lot of i know we're going a little bit off of a lot of off of what your your normal thing is but um do you remember the scott peterson case oh yeah yeah okay so his his case if you've ever seen the movie gone girl that was kind of basically based off of his case with uh, ben affleck um anyway i was kind of fascinated by that case because <clears throat> i was certain he did what he did uh based off the media and then i watched a documentary about a year and a half ago and i was like wow like i'm actually 100 percent, not 100 percent. i am very i'm much more certain now that i don't think he did it um based off the evidence that was never talked about in the media that was talked about at trial. But to your point, he was already crucified, prosecuted before he even stepped foot in that courtroom. Um, and what, that's what brings me to the, to the Brian Laundrie and the Gab Petito thing is at first I was like, okay, he's, he's missing. He's not talking to the feds. He's not helping blah, blah, blah. He's definitely guilty. And then I thought like, well, wait, uh, Scott Peterson was out there looking for Lacey. He was helping the cops. He was with her family. He did not lawyer up right away. And all of those things completely backfired, not in his favor, because 
then he just, as soon as they found her body, they're like, okay, let's just, we got to pin this guy. And he didn't really kind of get like the fair, like handle on things. But this other guy, Brian Laundry, I'm like, okay, well, maybe he's just, he lawyered up. He's staying out of the spotlight. He's not in searches. I assumed he was like doing what you kind of would do if you kind of either were in trouble or even if you weren't, you were just covering all your, you're just covering your ass kind of thing. So um, what, I, I don't even know where I was going with that, but I was just curious of like, well, that, I, I, no, I'm glad that, you brought this case up because oh, I, cool. it's just, as we speak here today, we've just learned that uh, Brian Laundrie's remains have been found. Yep. So I am dying to know what happened to him. How, how is it? I, 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 maybe we're going to, we're going to have to wait a few days, a few yeah. weeks, a month until some, some expert tells us, but what do you think? How, how, how did he end up dead? Good, good question. I, personally, I, I don't know. It's very interesting. I actually had my last episode was um, FBI agent uh, Johnny Grusing, who talks a lot about, he talks a bunch of serial killers, bank robbers, like all kinds of stuff. And I, I got his take on it. And he, he basically was like, especially this is after they found out that she was uh, died of strangulation. She was obviously murdered. And he was like, it was more of like probably a crime of passion. Like, was he planning this? More than likely not. It was just kind of like, hey, she told him if you do this one more time, that's it. Like that kind of situation. And yeah. it escalated. And he, he basically used the term of like, you know, a, a, a match lit in a room of gun gunpowder is kind of how he described it. But what gets me on that case is the time frame doesn't add up to me to where she's been missing since like the middle of September. He had... He goes back. He's got a 10 day head start, basically, with on in front of investigators. And then they report her missing. And and he's not talking to the feds. The family's not talking to the feds. They don't want anything to do with it. And then four, four more days go by. The family then says, oh, well, we can't find Brian either. But four days, an additional four days has gone by after uh, after he already went missing. So I was like, damn, is this family like? trying to help him like get out of here. Um, and what's odd on how they found him is they've looked in this preserve. I mean, you've all these resources, the feds, all these, all, all the ABCs are in there. Um, and apparently the place that they found him was underwater uh, where he was underwater the first time they looked in this area. But sure enough, the family never wanted to go on any searches. The one time they go on a search, they locate this bag that is waterproof, that has his notebook and backpack in it. And they find his remains or, or some of his skeletal remains. So I was just kind of confused of like the timeline of like, it looked like from the jump, the family was kind of like potentially helping him. And then of course, all these investigators can't find a damn thing. And then the one time the family goes out for a search, what do they find? They find his, his, his bones and his belongings. So I don't even know what happened. Um, mm -hmm. I don't want to say, oh yeah, he killed her. He might, he may have not. I mean, the, the, the probability of him not is, especially now that they found his body is like, I would say very low that it wasn't him because why would he disappear and potentially either kill himself or whatever. But you're right. Knowing what happened with his body, whether it's, you know, gunshot wound or he got eaten by alligators or whatever it is. I don't know. I, I think he did it, but I think he had some help along the way. Um, and that's kind of what the FBI agent was saying. He's like, if there's any, if there's any indication that the family helped them, helped him at all, the way that this case has been blown up in the media, the backlash is going to be horrendous 
for agencies if they don't go after the family. Um, if there's any kind of help there or aid is what he kind of said. And that's kind of what I was going with. Yeah. Okay. I get you. Hey, there's another case that's back in the news, an old murder case. I, I don't know if you get Showtime, but uh, they I do. Oh, okay. Well, I, I think you're going to watch and want to watch Buried. Buried. Okay. The show is called Buried. It's four episodes. Um, it started airing on October 10th. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, it is a deep dive into a really, really significant murder case. Um, George Franklin was accused of murdering a little girl 20 years earlier. And the only evidence against him was the testimony of his daughter who said that when she was eight years old, she saw her father murder her little best friend, that she repressed the memory for 20 years and now the memory was back. And she repressed her memory for all kinds of other horrible things that he did and all these memories are back. So he was prosecuted and did spend six years in prison until he was convicted until his conviction was overturned. That's back in the 90s. Wow. And now Showtime in this program, Barry has taken a deep look into this case. And um, well, I, I, you know, I think it just, you'll find that being a true crime aficionado, yes. aficionado as you are, as I am too, uh, but I was an expert witness in the case. And, and so part of also on this program, but you'll see a number of other people who are part of this now talked about, written about, reviewed program that you might want to talk to on your podcast. That's so funny. I, that's exactly what I do. That's how I got the FBI agent. I watched on Hulu, the show Wild Crimes that just came out. Okay. Um, and he was the FBI. It was about uh, uh, Harold Hawthorne, who uh, killed his wife up here in the Rocky Mountain National Park. He pushed her off a cliff. Um, and I didn't even know this, but the national park has an agency called, I think like the IBS or ISB. It's mm -hmm. basically their feds, their federal agents, their homicide detectives. And this, this wonderful woman, Beth, Beth shot was a, a detective and she couldn't, she didn't have the resources. So she reached out to Johnny. He was this FBI agent and he came in and they tracked this guy, Harold Henthorne, and they figured out all this stuff. They found out that he actually killed his, his first wife died of mysterious circumstances. He's serving a life sentence right now. Um, but that's exactly how I find a lot of the people that I talk to is I, I'm fascinated with these murder crimes and these professors, researchers, all kinds of people. And I, I see them and I write their name down. The list of interview people that I have of guests, of potential guests I have is like, pages long and I'll, I'll do the same thing with you i'll find them on a website or their school sometimes if, it's easiest if they're like if they work at a university because you have your university email that i can just yeah. hit up um but yeah that's i would i'm absolutely going to do that i wrote it well, down if you if you do watch it and you want to interview like george franklin's defense attorney or the journalist who wrote a book about the case back in the 90s. Uh, he's a journalist lawyer. Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, I've got their emails. Oh, um, that would be amazing. So you can email me and I can um, okay. yeah, send that... you contact information for some of the people. I think you you will just find this fascinating. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in a way, I, I had hopes for this show that it would it would do something like making of a murder, making a murderer, the serial, 
it would get inspire some outrage that some grave injustice had happened here. Uh, in those other um, media depictions, you know, people rise up and they want to mm -hmm. free somebody who's sitting in prison. Um, it's not going to happen in this case. I think they they created a big dent in the in the credibility of the memories, and they they did a great job there. But you end up walking away feeling like George Franklin isn't a very wasn't because he he died a few years ago wasn't a very nice person. Right. And I'm afraid that the typical audience is just going to say, well, okay, so oh well, maybe he didn't do that you know, the murder, but he did other things. And so right. we're not going to get too exercised about it. And so that, that, that's a little bit of a disappointment um, for me, but it's a beautifully done and, you know, artistically magnificent yeah. um, filming. And um, you'll, I think you'll really enjoy it and give you ideas for future podcasts for you. Definitely. Yeah, no, that, I, I appreciate that. I, I love my mom. I actually just picked her up from the airport from uh, DC today. I, I live in uh, Colorado. She's coming to visit me and she's downstairs right now watching some uh, active shooter on the, on Showtime. I, I kind of put her onto this documentary series of they break down all the shootings that happen and stuff like that so both of us are kind of obsessed with that kind of stuff so i'm probably going to go downstairs and try to find uh Barry oh okay and, well you and, and your mother can watch this together then. <laughs> <laughs> so and, and then you you know you can interview her for the podcast about <laughs> what she thinks about it yeah definitely not oh uh, that's so funny that's um you know what I, i've actually wanted to talk to a defense attorney because i've always wanted to know I've reached out to Scott Peterson's defense attorney and he's like a huge, he's a big wig anyway. I'll probably never be able to talk to him. Who um, is it? Oh my God. I forget his name. He did. Um, oh my God. He's uh, George. Oh my God. Um, G E O R G. Um, Scott Peterson. You can't do it too, because he's still actually, because Scott Peterson is now being resentenced. So he's in the uh, um, resentencing phase because they oh, dropped. He is. Okay. Yeah. They dropped his, uh, um, uh, uh, George Garagos or Garagos or something like that. Uh, he's an LA lawyer, like uh, Mark Garagos. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh no. He's a very prominent attorney. Yeah. So, you know, those, those kind of guys, I've always wanted to know like what makes them tick to kind of defend, you know, these people that have been brutally prosecuted on the media and stuff before they even said it. it's just like an uphill battle. Like, why do you want to like, I'm just so fascinated in that stuff, you know? But um, let's see here. Okay. One, one more thing. Can we, are we able to talk about the Menendez brothers? What'd you do with that stuff? Cause I thought that case was fascinating. Well, Menendez, my, I, I consulted on that case, Leslie Abrams, Abramson uh, uh, was an excellent uh, defense attorney in LA on representing one of the, one of the brothers. And there was an issue about the psychiatrist's memory. It was an issue about, the psychiatrist was not allowed to reveal what the psychiatrist revealed about his client, one of the accused brothers, unless his own life was in danger. Um, and so was he, 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 he was reporting certain memory issues. And so we were, uh, I was consulting on the memories of this psychiatrist about what happened in that session 
it, it, it turned out they discovered a tape. There was a tape of the session. So once the tape got discovered and was produced, and then there was no more issue about the psychiatrist's memory. We had a tape recording of the actual therapy session and, and uh, my expertise wasn't really needed anymore. So that, right. that was an unusual kind of case for me, but it had to do with the memory of the therapist. Wow. So once you had the, the tape, they were like, hey, we don't need his memory anymore. We have this evidence. Yeah. Right. What's the craziest, what's like the craziest thing the, the Timothy McVeigh thing was kind of wild. What's like the craziest thing that's happened to you uh, in your career when it comes to that kind of stuff? Like another encounter like that or something that you've given the prosecution or defendants that's kind of like flipped something or opened their eyes up to something else. Has it ever happened to you? I don't, I'm not, well, I'm not sure, you know, what exactly is, is, is coming to mind. Um, I just finished testifying in, in uh, the Robert Durst murder trial. Um, all that testimony is uh, actually available on YouTube. Um, oh my gosh. Now, there are some really great defense attorneys in that case. If you want to talk to some defense attorneys about, about defending somebody who is not particularly popular. Yeah. And, and, how defense attorneys deal with that issue they might be some great people to to talk to talk to right or to the defense attorneys for harvey weinstein and you know what bothers me so much is that there are people out there that get mad if you work for somebody unpopular if you're mm -hmm. an attorney and you represent them if you're an expert witness and you testify about some scientific matter in in a in their trial, people get mad that, you know, we, they don't, they don't stop and think that we have a system where people are presumed innocent and even very unpopular people deserve mm -hmm. to have a defense. Right. And so it, it so bothers me that people get so bent out of shape and forget the constitution and our democratic principles. Yeah, that's so true. I know people are like, how could you defend someone like, well, who's going to defend these people when it comes to this kind of stuff? You right. Know. And so in Weinstein, for example, I testified very generally about memory and memory issues, did not mention any specific um, people, mm -hmm. any specific names of people, any, in fact, you know, any specific parties in the case. Um, and despite that, um, you know, I got uh, a, a major university canceling an upcoming lecture that I was going to give law students uh, trying to get the dean of my law school to not allow me to teach law what? classes anymore because I was poisoning the minds of these poor students, a colleague yelling at me at the sandwich table. I mean, you know, and especially if you're a lawyer and or wanting to become one, even more crucial to recognize that unpopular people right. get to have a defense in our in our system. Wow. And we should applaud that. Right. Yeah. It's only fair. You know, it's my dog barking. That's crazy that people are like going like you know, coming at you for I mean, it makes sense. I, I see that a lot. That's but that goes to kind of what we were talking about earlier as far as like people kind of already just crucifying people before they even know anything about 
what's going on. And, and that's, you know, was it the, the, was it the, Oh my God, see, here we go again. Like I got to figure out what I'm thinking about. Like when you get a, you know, not trial by a, but by a public, I don't know, whatever. Oh, public opinion. Um, yeah. Public opinion. Yes, yeah. Yes. Anyway, there's a saying and my cognitive issues are kicking in, so I can't think of it, but um, that's exactly what happens. The, the Robert Dursing, that's the guy that killed his uh, best friend because he admitted to hit her that he killed his wife and she was going to tell and then he killed her, right? That's the prosecution's theory, yes. <laughs> okay. See, uh, I'm that, doing what I'm saying. Was, yeah, that's the prosecution's theory. You stated it very well for the prosecution. <laughs> You're welcome. Hire me. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Okay. Well, listen, Elizabeth, is there any books that you want to talk about? Do you have anything coming down the pipeline? Is there anything that uh, you can Well, want? no. I mean, I've got... I've, people don't have to buy my books. They can... On my UC Irvine website, they... I have, you know, about 50 articles that I uh, have uploaded that people can just help themselves for free. Uh, there are lots of other items there that are kind of summaries of the work. They can help themselves for free. They can watch my TED Talk uh, if they want to get a 15-minute version of the um, the kind of work and memory experiments and theories that I've been writing about. There's a lot out there that people don't have to pay for. Yeah, there's I saw I there's a whole sheet of things that I I clicked a link in your in your uh, email and it was like a whole bunch of stuff that I was like just drumming through. I'm like, wow, it's like different languages of stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I know one language. Oh yeah, you did go to the big. Well, some some uh, articles have been written in other mm -hmm. languages and. I've posted a few of those just in case people want to read German or, uh, you or know. Polish. And I was like, damn. Yeah, man. I think it's yeah. Spanish maybe, so yep, whatever. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. But uh, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Sure. No, it's very, I like your uh, enthusiasm and your passion about this. And I really wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to close it out here. That's another episode of the E4 Explosive Podcast. And we'll see you next time. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code EXPLICIT20 at manscaped.com. That's right, 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code EXPLICIT20 at manscaped.com. Unlock that confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped.